This podcast episode mentions mental illness, prescription medications, parental abuse, spousal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, and suicidal ideations. These are our personal stories and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or professional advice. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. Today we have Kim, who is going to share her resiliency story around getting off prescription medications. Hi, Kim. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show today. We are excited to hear your story. I'm excited to share it. It's it's one that I really think a lot of people can benefit from on some level, whether it's per- personally or, or with others that they know. Well, why don't you share your story? Sounds good. Well, my name's Kim, and I... Recently, in the year 2022, weaned off prescription medication that I was on for 29 years. Mm. And this venture started when I was 11 years old. I was raised by a mother who was, you know, a, a product of some abuse and was not necessarily maternal in her ways of raising my sister and I. And so she got frustrated when I was 11 and went to the doctor and told the doctor how frustrated she was. And the doctor saw right through it and put her on some Prozac that was in the Mm. early nineties. And that was kind of the thing to do back then. And so she came home and she said, look what the doctor gave me. You're going to start taking this because you were my problem. And I was 11 years old when I started taking Prozac And this was an adult dose, 20 milligrams. And I had no um, need to take it. I was a happy kid. I was a high performer. I was, I got excellent grades, primarily A's and B's. Um, I was very athletic and I had healthy eating habits, but yet at 11 years old, because my mother said I was her problem, I ended up on the, on the medication. Um, I remember that at 11, when I started taking it, I thought this is a miracle because here my mom is so mean and unfair and unpredictable because she's borderline personality disorder. And not knowing it back then, I just said, my mom's mean. Um, I would, I would go to bed crying and sad because she was said something really horrible. And the next day I wouldn't remember. And mm-hmm. I thought these are magic pills because now I can get along with my mom. Cause I don't remember how awful she is. Mm. And one thing that, um, I also didn't remember is homework. I was completely in a daze at school. My grades started dropping. Um, and after about three months, now I realize it's because her 90 day prescription expired and she had to go to a new doctor at three months. She said, you know what? You're too happy. I have these new ones. You're going to start taking 20 milligrams of Zoloft. And so with Prozac, I remember she stopped me cold turkey and started putting me on Zoloft, but it's, it's, they're both SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, but they work differently. And so to just cut the Zoloft or cut the Prozac and transition onto a a large dose of Zoloft, it, it was, I remember a very weird time and, Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember details because most of my life, I don't remember details anymore. And Mm -hmm. so that continued. And the whole time I would be given these pills, you have to take it. And she'd watch me swallow. 
And then I'd be told, you know, that I'm mentally ill and that I'm her problem and, and weird things, you know, she was, she, I'm sure did her best, but it wasn't great. Um, I grew up with a lot of inconsistency. So, you know, she would take me to go buy clothing and it would be cute clothes and I'd look really cute and I'd pick some of them out, but she'd pick most of them out. She had, she has great taste in clothing anyway. So it was fine. But the next day she'd say, I, I'd wear the new clothes and she'd say, you look like a slut. I can't believe oh. that you would wear that. And, you know, then she'd take them away. So it was, it was a very confusing, chaotic childhood. Um, and I left at 17. I never went back. I moved in with my grandparents, but still on the medication because all of those years I was told that I had a mental illness that required it. Never until I was 18 was it my own prescription. So that's, that's really a shame um, because had, had a medical professional actually taken a few minutes to talk to me, they would have realized that it, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I, I believed it was me at that point and got my own prescription. I had moved out of the house and um, it, you, you develop this idea that there's something wrong with you when you're on pills And then anytime there's anything that goes on, you know, growing up, if I was crying, my mom, Connie, I would always call her Connie because I didn't like that connection of mom. Um, She would go tell everybody I was having a nervous breakdown. And Mm -hmm. so then I'm believing that these natural emotions coming from really difficult times, having no friends and, and challenges are now just more manifestations of this mental illness that that really wasn't there to begin with. And so, um, going on, I, I ended up getting married and it was a quick, it was a quick marriage. Um, I, I realized that that just wasn't going to be something that works out. I, I needed to have somebody that was at least as smart as me. I don't like carrying the whole, the whole load. So, um, I was married twice before I was 23 and the second husband, um, very smart, uh, but very emotionally immature and things that I just overlooked because I felt desperate. I had a child and Mm -hmm. um, he bought into me needing medication as well. I, at the time we got married was only on 20 milligrams of Zoloft. It had never gone up from there. And so a couple of weeks after we got married, I was cleaning the apartment because I'm a clean person And I like to have dishes out of the sink and in the cupboards or dishwasher where they belong. I I like to have organization, vacuumed floors, Mm -hmm. Um, nothing extreme, but I like it to look nice. And so within a couple of weeks of being married, he was really unhappy that I was, you know, doing so many chores when he wanted me to sit and watch endless hours of TV sports with him. I can't do that. That's just not in my nature. But he said that there was something wrong with me and being conditioned my whole life to find out that, you know, there's something wrong with me. Now there's more wrong with me because I don't want to sit on on my rear and watch things all night. So um, he said, you know, you, this is really hurting our marriage. You need to go get yourself checked out. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a nurse practitioner and this one said, oh, wow. You know, that sounds like you've got OCD. So I'm going to put you on and, and you being upset about it and being emotional about it. It sounds like you, you might be bipolar. So I'm going to put you on, um, this antidepressant we will continue with the Zoloft and we're going to add 
Lamictal, which at a lower dose is an epilepsy drug, but at a lower dose, it's a mood stabilizer. And you have to titrate up. It is a very powerful, potent drug. And when I got on that, um, I was able to sit and be lethargic. I put on weight. I um, was able to be lazy the way that he wanted me to be so I could watch those endless games and shows. And my house went to being a mess. And so inside, I'm not happy, but I'm compliant. And that's kind of just a manifestation of what I grew up being trained that I was supposed to be. Well, throughout our 17-year marriage, there were times when I would say, wait a minute, I'm doing all of the work, all of the housework, all of the kid work, and I'm working full time um, and I'm going to school. So what are you doing? You know, and then we'd get into this fight about he's not pulling his weight. And he would look at me and say, you know, I think that you're metabolizing your medication a lot faster than you should. You should go get it checked out. Wow. it was never let me do more chores. It was never let me help you out more. It was never anything like that. It was you're metabolizing your medication. And so I would go in and I'd say, my husband said, I'm metabolizing it faster and I should get checked out. I'm unhappy because he won't help me. And I used to be happy that he was, and he's the same lazy, you know? And so they say, well, okay. So they would up the medication and always add more. Um, so after 17 years, I had three benzos, Valium, Ativan, and Xanax every day. I had 300 milligrams of Lamictal. I had 30 milligrams of the duloxetine, which is, it touches the nor, it's a norepinephrine. And then I also had 300 milligrams of Wellbutrin. And I nearly filed for disability because (laughs) I could not think on top of all of those medications, I had 1800 milligrams of gabapentin every day. And so I, I really couldn't think, I thought that I was broken. Um, I had fallen so many times and gotten a about 12 surgeries, major reconstructive Mm. surgeries during the last five years, uh, three neck fusions. I had to have my thyroid removed. I had to have my shoulder rebuilt two times. My, both of my knees replaced after a couple of rebuilds prior to that, I had to have my hand uh, rebuilt, my hip rebuilt and all of this in five years. And no one bothered to say, wow, you're on a lot of medication, maybe falling because of all the medication. I was a collegiate athlete. I was a successful collegiate athlete. I had never been clumsy in my life until making this marriage work by sedating myself. And it wasn't, I mean, the marriage really was struggling. Um, the, The gaslighting is even with all the medication, I started noticing it happening more. Mm -hmm. And I would go back to the, to the uh, nurse practitioner. And she said, I am prescribing you as much as I can prescribe on my license. You would have to, to get more, you'd have to go see a psychiatrist. And I got lucky because there was somebody, a good friend in my life who I shared some of this with most of it. I've always kept to myself because it's humiliating. 
thinking that I'm so crazy. I have to have a cocktail every day of pharmaceuticals, but um, I, I opened up to my friend and he goes, you know, Kim, he's like, I do not believe that there's anything wrong with you. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, you don't know me. I'm, I'm really, I'm sure I'm crazy. I'm probably psycho. And after a couple of months, he really was saying over and over again, I've seen you at work. I've seen you, you know, with your kids, like you're not crazy. I don't want you on these medications if you don't need to be, because you're not living your life. And so after a year of, of kind of sharing his thoughts on that, I thought I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get off these. So, um, I started taking some adrenal supplements. I got my vitamins down to, because I wanted to bolster my body as much as I could in a natural way. Mm -hmm. I got my gut, um, healthy with probiotics and all of the, the best that I could find, you know, vitamin D K2 probiotics, adrenal supplements, um, thyroid supporting supplements. And I was on those for two weeks and the most amazing thing happened. I could think again, mm. I was still on my pharmaceutical medication because I, I know that these things need to be tapered off, but I could start thinking again by just adding, um, this complex of vitamins that I'd found, not even just one, one grouping, but just things that I found. And, and it worked. And I thought, okay, now's the time I can think I can start weaning off. And so I worked with, um, my, I, I went to, <laughs> I went to my nurse practitioner and she said, no, you're definitely bipolar. You shouldn't get off. And I said, no, you know, I'm not. So I, I went to half, I just start started halving my own stuff. And after about four weeks of taking a half of the dosages, I met a doctor that is a naturopath mindset. Mm. And I shared with him everything that I'm on and everything that I halved. And he said he could not believe that I was still alive after mm. every day of those medications at that dosage of those dosages and all of the surgeries. And, and so we started talking more and more and he, he had a, an interest in somebody that would be willing to take the risk to come off of the medication just to see if they could live without it. Um, it was very difficult. So I, I mm -hmm. was off for three months on half of my dosages. And at three months, I decided to, with talking, obviously, to the doctor, I decided to go off all of it. And the most <clears throat> amazing things happened. When I cut the dosages in half, it was very difficult because your body is used to having those medications mm -hmm. and your mind and your body work together because when there's an addiction, it will tell you, you need those medications uh -huh. and trying to fight that and fight the, I call them demons, but it's like you, you get upset, you know, inside and you don't know why, but to, to just say, okay, I'm going to do something rather than take a pill. Mm -hmm. And finding, finding ways to fill those, um, mindsets of, you know, it's always been, we'll take a pill, you're broken. And, um, I started investing in myself when all of it came out of my system, 
the clarity of my life really started to happen. It was as if I woke up from a 30 year sleep to find that the inmates had been running the asylum. I had been getting, I've been getting gaslighted for my entire life, going from one narcissistic, abusive parent to a narcissistic husband who mm-hmm. felt like, you know, he could control through the medication. Um, I, I found that there were different friendships in my life that were um, very unhealthy. They were codependent mm-hmm. and pressuring. And then I also found that even the relationships with my own parents still that I had been forging um, through fantasizing about what I wanted in a parent, mm-hmm. they never measured up, but mm-hmm. yet I would just take it on and take it on. And when all of the meds were out of my system, I started to see the fog rise and I was able to see that these were really unhealthy relationships for me and only to find out there's not much of me there. I had been spending my entire life building others mm-hmm. and forgetting myself. So um, it's been it's been a journey through this summer. I my parents ended up uh, ghosting me mm-hmm. because they they have their own issues. They were embarrassed that I had gotten a divorce, and their friends were asking about it. It made them feel like it made them look bad, so they stopped talking to me. Um, in the middle of the divorce, you know, I find, I see for the first time, my husband, ex-husband who I saw him in real life, lying to my face and Mm -hmm. gaslighting myself and my daughter. And then the memories started coming back Mm -hmm. and they've been coming back strong. These memories that had I been tuned in and plugged in, I wouldn't have stayed with him all these years, Mm -hmm. but these pills make you forget And not only if they don't make you completely forget, they make you not believe in the significance of the physical, emotional, and sexual abuse that people inflict Mm -hmm. on you and your children. And that's exactly what happened. Um, And, and so I will be honest, this, this experience has given me extreme amounts of anger, Mm -hmm. depression, Um, and figuring out how to deal with those real feelings Mm -hmm. after 29 years of not experiencing them, um, has been the challenge of a lifetime. And it has been the most rewarding experience I've ever had because for the first time in my life, I am developing a relationship with myself and with each of my three children. Mm -hmm. They got a mom this year. And there is nothing that I've gone through that would be worth giving up the time that I've had to really get to know them and myself through this process. Yeah, that's amazing. I, um, you know, Kim, I, I'm thinking the, one of the first things I wrote down was support. Um, we talk about that a lot with people and support and, and you brought, you have such an interesting, um, perspective because who people usually go to for support family you know those people medical professionals Mm -hmm. um those people were not your support system you know like Mm -hmm. and what a conflicting and confusing thing because those are supposed to be people who support you and they're supporting 
the version they want of you because it meets Mm -hmm. their needs instead of truly supporting you. Um, (laughs) Thank goodness for your friends. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, and that's really where I think a lot of people will benefit from this is hearing that we don't all get healthy family members at birth. Right. Sadly, it's taken me a 40 year journey to find out that not only were the two people that I was supposed to be able to trust and love and rely on and, and get support from were mentally ill, but also I continued that pattern by choosing something familiar, Mm -hmm. somebody who was just like them to be my husband of 17 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, finding out that those inmates were really running the asylum is, is kind of the only way to, to describe it. And the family we choose oftentimes ends up being the best supports we can find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think, you know, just hearing you say that, like for ourselves question, constantly question, right? Like that, like, is this really, should I be on this many medications? Like, you know what I mean? For anything in life, in order to find the right support, question, question everything. I think Jessica and I talked about this in our, in our therapy one, you know, like about just kind of like looking out for you. Right. And questioning and pushing. And like, that's what I hear in your story. Once, once you started to like, wait, something's wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really hear resiliency through everything she said. And um, I, I I don't know if you don't know me, (laughs) Kim, I'm at a complete loss for words right now because of your journey. And the thing that kept, you know, screaming in my head was this, thank goodness she had herself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and of course the friend um, that planted the seed but you were your own advocate and mm-hmm. Samantha and I have talked about that as well as, you know, we have to be our own best advocate because a lot of times, you know, the people in our lives, one don't know how, right. you know, even, even the best relationships, the people in your life might not know how, and then on the flip side, they were your worst enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you had you, and that is so incredibly important. Thank you. Yeah, it it is incredibly important to have that. And and I, in all honesty, there were so many times where I thought, I can't do this. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe the people that I was supposed to be loved by are right. Mm-hmm. And I I've wondered, you know, when I start sharing my story, what am I going to tell people is the one thing that they can remember to ask themselves when the nurse practitioner or doctor is going to put them on medication. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that you always want to be aware of is, are you taking this medication so that you can tolerate one or more individuals in your life? Mm. Mm. Wow. If, <laughs> if the answer is yes, then you are not taking medication for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So impactful. Writing that down because I'm like, that is like, yeah. Jessica said boom. And I'm like, so like, yes. Yeah. What a great question to ask yourself. You know, why, why am I taking this? Right. Um, because the medical professionals are not always 
the most um, educated on the yeah. results and the studies and the impact of these medications. Mm-hmm. They have incentives behind the scenes mm-hmm. that um, motivate them to write more. And when I went to the medical professionals, the two that were prescribing for the last 17 years, and I didn't have two at the same time, I had one for about five years, and then I moved and had another one. So mm-hmm. um, the the thing that I would tell them is, I'm not able to get along with my husband. He's lazy. He doesn't help. And I'm angry about it. And I'm resentful. And that's why I'm on this medication is so that I don't feel so resentful. The medical professionals should not be writing me a prescription. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I was always very upfront. My, my marriage is tough. I do it all and there's no help and I'm angry, you know? And then when I'm angry, I want to, you know, cry and scream and kick and yell. Um, and so then all of a sudden me being open about that, well, then I am bipolar naturally because, you know, that's their idea. But the truth is these medications are like a wet blanket on your emotions. They make Mm -hmm. you forget, they make you suppress normal brain activity is not going to tolerate the, um, the lack of balance. So when you are not on the medications, you look at these individual events in your life and you resolve them so that you can move through these medications are like a wet blanket so that you're not only moving through and you're surviving and it turns out the lights, but there is no resolution. And what happens is each event starts to build up and build up and build up more. And finally, I got to the point last year where I was so suicidal that I threw one leg over a three-story building. And the only thing that made me not jump was the fear that it would just break my legs and back. And then I would have to eat gross food or eat through a straw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it was then that I chose my children. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still trying to work through a marriage and it was, it was within that week that I said, you know what? I've got to let this guy go. The guy that has wanted me medicated so that he can Mm -hmm. live his lazy best life. Yeah. And I've got to choose my kids. And it was their faces that I saw and their faces that I nurtured in my heart as, as these trials of coming off the medications were happening. Yeah. We are not medical professionals, right? Like, you know, we're not medical professionals, but I want to repeat this. Um, if you are taking that medication to tolerate one or more people in your life, you are not taking it for the right reasons. I am still sitting here jaw on the floor. <laughs> and, and let me tell you why. Um, so when I went on leave from the company that I was at, um, I went on, uh, I just burned out, walked away one day, couldn't take any, like a not, not a minute longer. And they, they being the medical professionals, um, we're really pushing medications. And the first one made me suicidal. I took it one day and it was so awful. Then they put me on another one and it um, made me rage. I didn't do anything with the rage, but I could feel it. Like it was like angry fire women in my head, like rawr, you know, like angry, took it one day. And I know you're supposed to stay on this stuff longer, but it was insane how badly it impacted me. They tried to give me a third. And my, I got a new therapist and I was holding that third medication, like, oh, do I try it? Do I try it? And 
the therapist said, you do not have a chemical imbalance. That is why your brain is reacting this way. It's the situation. You have situational depression. And if you leave the situation, it will resolve itself. And guess what? I left the job and it resolved itself. And so when you said, if you're going to take this medication for one person in your life, it was literally for one person in my life. It was my boss. My boss was causing the situation, not the company, not the workload, my boss, one person. And if, if I had that on a sticky note somewhere, you know, if I would have been like, well, let me think this through first, that would never have crossed my mind, but literally it was for one person. So again, we're not medical professionals. And I do believe in the power of these medications to help people. I've seen it help people, but it was wrong for me. And it was wrong for you on so many levels. And so I just want to put that out there again, that this statement might be the most profound thing we have in this, in this recording. I mean, there's lots of profound moments, but if people can remember to just, if you're taking that medication to tolerate one or more people in your life, you're not taking it for the right reasons that could change their lives. Yeah. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's important. What I found is that it's important to surround yourself with people that are supportive, Mm -hmm. well, well well-read, not necessarily formally educated, but well-read. Are they reading the studies? Are they, Mm -hmm. you know, um, reading reports to, to speak as the professionals on something that can be so impactful, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And, um, to find medical professionals, because when I was weaning off, I, I was under a doctor's care, Yeah, but it was difficult to find a doctor that would support coming off these drugs. And so it's really important to find those doctors that do so that, you know, in those moments where you say, this is what's going on. Am I the crazy one? Did I really Mm -hmm. belong on these medications? Mm -hmm. You can have an educated professional who has the license to do that. um, Let you know if you really are the one that should be on them. Mm -hmm. Or leaving the situation. Will that resolve it? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And Samantha shared this phrase with me and I have shared it with others. Um, You can't heal in the place that made you sick. And you know, so if, if in your case, let's say the husband is what was making you sick, right? Not anymore. Cause you're not living with your parents. Now it's the husband. He's right. pushing all these medications. He's trying, he's trying, trying to get you on more and gaslighting you. The more medication you take, it didn't heal. You didn't heal. You couldn't heal until you left the situation that made you sick. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, so impactful. I I want everyone to, who is on the medication to really think about that because Mm -hmm. you're right. There are situations, you know, where it can be helpful. There are people that really are benefited by it. Mm -hmm. But is that you? And Mm -hmm. if somebody's trying to prescribe it, find out for how long, what exactly is it supposed to do? And what studies is there to support that it does what it says it does? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, you cannot just blindly trust medical professionals. You can trust a lot of them, but do not trust anyone blindly. I think Mm -hmm. that's just Mm -hmm. rules rules of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and we get second opinions on, you know, major surgeries or, uh, cancer diagnosis or something, you know, we, we go get a second opinion, 
but we don't necessarily get a second opinion on medications. Right. So, you know, that is, it's just incredible. Now, again, we're not medical professionals and I do believe these medications help with the right circumstances. There are people that benefit from them, but your story, and I'll be quite frank, when you said that the, that what the story was going to be about was getting off medications. I thought, Oh God, are we going to give the wrong message? Right. Um, and then you started telling this story and I went, no, we are not. This is the right <laughs> message. This is insane. I cannot believe this happened. You know, I mean, you were failed at so many levels and we, mm-hmm. we hear stories like that. Um, you know, whether it's on our podcast or out in the real world, we hear stories of people being, um, you know, the system, whatever that system is failing them. And you were failed so often. Um, and again, you had yourself as your resiliency, um, your person, you were your person and your friend. I would love to go hug that friend. (laughs) High five, air five. Great job. Um, but kudos to you. You are resilient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I would love to share um, just a couple of quick things about how, how, because when you come off those medications and especially for me, having been on them for 29 years, my mind is running a lot, whether I'm sleeping, whether I'm awake, Mm. whether I'm aware of it, it Mm -hmm. is processing. And what it's trying to figure out is right and wrong. You know, these medications cloud right and wrong. Was it wrong of the abuse growing up as a child, or was that really my fault? Was mm-hmm. it wrong of the abuse, you know, that happened to my child? Um, or was that her fault? Or was that husband's fault? You know, you like mm-hmm. trying to figure out really, where does the responsibility lie? Because with the people that were supposed to love me, mm-hmm. I was the scapegoat. And so figuring out what reality is, is, is probably the most important thing. Um, but the way that I did this, I decided one day it is not, uh, working to just come off the meds and do life as usual. It has to change. Everything has to change. And I decided that we're changing with a routine first. Um, I get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. There is no, there is no event that gets to Um, change that. And I had to promise myself to be my own accountability partner is seven to eight hours of sleep a night, stay up a little later, but make sure you can sleep in a little bit more the next day or that you have time for a nap. Um, I go to the gym every single day. Now Mm -hmm. that is, I am not a gym rat and I do not look like a fit body body model, but (laughs) I go and sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 45. It just depends on what I have the capacity for that day. But the fact is, is that I go and I am teaching myself to trust myself that I will get there and I will do what I say I'm going to do no matter what. Um, I also got chickens and this sounds silly, but <laughs> I, I'm taking notes and you said that and I went, do I write that? Yeah. <laughs> get chickens. <laughs> I, I got 16 chickens. Wow. And the things that I have learned from these chickens are endless. But one of them is how valuable the simplicity of their existence is. Mm. It is a simple existence. They are in a very luxurious cage with toys, (laughs) endless food and water, lovely hay. They are in a very lovely place, but they really on the, on the 
surface aren't doing much. It's a simple life, but they also sustain life with the eggs that they provide or will provide. So what, what a beautiful thing that they are in fact helping my family as soon as they start laying to be Mm self-sustaining in such a simple way. Um, there's, it's difficult to sleep when you come off medication because your mind is always working, like I mentioned. And so to find the right help to sleep, sometimes I've had to use something called sleep agent, sleep agent. It is, uh, um, all natural. It includes melatonin and it's not habit forming. It's not, um, you know, addictive. It doesn't have any properties that I would be concerned with. I've used it for a year now. And then um, making sure to have those natural supplements, things like vitamin D. I live in Utah. Sun is scarce for many months in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're all vitamin D deficient. Vitamin K2 to help the body to absorb the vitamin D that you're putting into it. And then the adrenal supplements and probiotics. Gut health is huge. I went to a keto diet because the fats in that keto diet help brain function. Our brains function using fatty acids and and synapses. And we need those fatty acids and those um, fats in our foods to to help us. And then I also make lots of lists of projects that will make me happy. And I stay busy because I think that's one trap that we get into a lot is that we get complacent or we get so deep in our thoughts that it actually ends up stunting us. And so self-dosing the therapy parts, self-dosing the reading and just get busy. Can I ask one more question? I think Kim, um, when you, you know, thinking about everything, um, you, we develop our understanding of how to work through emotions and all of that in our childhood years. Um, and you in your childhood, adolescent, when things are getting big and confusing, um, had medication placed on you that, that you said yourself, like, just kind of like, I don't deal with my emotions now. Right. Like I'm just throwing them under the rug. Um, and then you referenced back again at the end that, you know, now it's like, a flood, you know, memories are coming back. You have all of these emotions and, there, there is, I don't think you use the word joy, but, um, you know, like you are, um, liking working through that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause that is like such a difference. And I, the, the flood of emotions and stuff could be so overwhelming. Yeah, it is. It is overwhelming. And at times it is so overwhelming that I, I actually have to physically remove myself from wherever I'm at and go do something else just Mm -hmm. to distract because we have to self-dose. I have to self-dose. The mind doesn't always self-dose for us. So Mm -hmm. for me to, to really get through these, that's part of the, get the uh, adrenaline in the morning. So I've got all my endorphins from working out um, and having that routine, but I have picked up kickboxing and mixed martial arts kind of stuff, um, just to, just to get some of those emotions out because there is anger there. I was Mm -hmm. wronged and, um, that's a healthy way of releasing it. If you, if you do planks and pushups until you can't do them anymore, there's not a whole lot of emotion left because you have no energy for it. So Mm -hmm. those have, those have come in handy. 
and I've, I've worked in the yard a lot. There's something about digging in the soil that grounds us. And I am not an expert on energy or that earth science kind of where it meets energy and, and creates the homeostasis. I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but I do know that after doing something productive, um, being in nature, going on hikes, there's mm-hmm. a reminder that there is something greater than myself mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And having that reminder that I'm valuable, that I'm not always going to feel this way is is kind of that thing that keeps you going when you can't figure out what else to do. Mm-hmm. So well said. That's why I love the beach. Yes. <laughs> Same so- reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else, Kim, that you would like um, the listeners to hear or think about um, in relationship to your own experiences and resiliency? Yeah. The last thing that I would say is that life is hard and we're going to make mistakes and it's not going to have, you know, this feeling of euphoric success and achievement every day. Mm -hmm. But when you can trust yourself through showing a pattern of following through on what you promise yourself or your children, you begin to develop this sense of, of control in a healthy way that, you know, that even in those moments where you feel like it's all falling apart, you can look at yourself or think about yourself and say, I've got this for myself. I don't need anybody else. I am here for me. And I don't, I don't need drugs. I don't need alcohol. I got this. And we all have that within us somewhere. And we're all on a different journey to find it and discover it. But true happiness is being able to meet your own needs. Mm -hmm. So on that note, um, Kim, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I I think that there's going to be a lot that people can glean um, and just identify like, oh, me too, uh, which makes such a difference for people. Um, if you would like to see and hear more from Kim, you can find her on Instagram at not underscore your underscore monkey. Thank you so much, Kim, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to listen to and like our podcast. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so by sharing this with others to build our community of resilience. To stay updated on the latest information, please follow us at at and underscore life happened on Instagram. If you would like to share your life happened story of resilience, please complete the form in our Instagram bio. These are our personal stories and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you.